0: White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football,
1: conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman and I'm Andy Gaffman, and we are the Blue Blue and White White Brothers.
0: Brothers.
1: (laughs) Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, the sun is shining. Unlike on Saturday, it's a little brisk here, but uh, I'm feeling good about Penn State football. Ten games into the season uh penn state stands at eight and two um and you're finally back in colorado back. i see um after uh, you know three weeks or so uh on the yep. east coast um how was your how was your trip back and how are you feeling settled in uh, uh over there and definitely uh, don't Denver feel area? settled
0: in at all um i've got a, i got a lot of stuff to get okay. out here to, to start feeling settled um but you know the trip, trip back was great no problems um yeah, what, what's to say? Penn State, you know, shut them out. <laughs> it was a good Did you enjoy watching football in your, you know, carefully command command center? Command center. I had, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have I had two TVs going. I had the iPad going and then I had like multiple games scrolling through on the on the laptop and and if there was anything that I anything else that I needed to catch, I was streaming it on the phone. <laughs> You know, I know your uh, trail name is yeah. Jabba,
1: and the picture I had when you're describing that is like Jabba yeah, the Hut, like yeah. just
0: like yeah. gorging on well, yeah. football. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that's my 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 love is college football and 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 pros too. I I do the same thing when I watch the pros. I, I have them all going. We have the NFL Sunday ticket here and we'll put as many TVs on as we possibly can. Hopefully Kate is not hearing this part of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> everybody in this house knows what goes on 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 Saturday. They we I did I did amazing. Um, uh, relinquish the televisions uh to watching Christmas movies. Uh, on Saturday oh, there evening, you go. Uh, while I had my laptop s- streaming all the games that were relevant during that period of time, <laughs> but I but I gave the TVs up. Speaking
1: <laughs> of Christmas, it's it's kind of like you know late November. You're seeing it in all the stores and everything. Um, personally, I'm to uh, wait till Thanksgiving to kind of take the turn to Christmas. But uh, today, I had a, an encounter. As this is the first time a this Christmas has alien happened encounter. To me. I <laughs> no 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 like, better. It, I. I met Santa Claus in the checkout line of Wegmans grocery store. Was it like this guy (laughs) I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. So his name tag was Robert but that's he just what Santa would me. want you to think. It's like, <laughs> exactly. He had like the long flowing white hair. He had the, the long white beard. Like it looked like yours, except it was like pure white. And he even had like the green Wegmans like checker shirt. I'm like, and like a jolly red face. He was an older gentleman. He was very kind. That's and Santa. I was like, that's I Santa. know who you are. I didn't say him. I didn't want to, I didn't want to out him, but like, anyway, I, it, he asked me if I wanted to contribute to the Maryland food bank, you know, with uh, some, I was like, yes, absolutely. I wanted him to know
0: that I well, was a so The movie person. we watched on Saturday evening. was about how <laughs> Santa was a movie about how Santa Claus came to be. Oh, um, and, and it was, it was a, a Netflix film called a boy called Christmas. Did you guys ever watch that? No, ha- haven't seen it. It was kind of neat. It was kind of cool. Um,
1: Cool. Um, well, that wasn't the most, uh, exciting part of my, uh, weekend though. Uh, for me, that really was, um, on Saturday, I got to watch my son Juan, uh, complete his Eagle Scout project. Awesome! In fact, um, it was, it was so cool. Uh, he's helping to refurbish part of a, a historic black cemetery, um, in our neighborhood. And, um, it's, it's, a, it's the whole project is really cool. I was great to be there. Um, he he, was, he led the whole project. He was project manager for the day, uh, directing about a dozen scouts and half a dozen adults. And um, you know I, I actually um, didn't get to watch the first half of the game on my couch. I was watching it on my phone, streaming you know, through the, the Fox Sports app as well I should. And by the way, um, with a bunch of other parents from mm-hmm. Maryland, because of course I'm mm-hmm. in Baltimore, Terps oh, yeah. grads there and Terps is. fans, you know. <laughs> hey, so your that team was sucks. kind of I was Thanks like, "Thanks for coming hmm, I'm out." Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, no, they're like, "So how, how are we doing? <laughs> how's the game going?" And, and I said, I was trying to be very diplomatic. I said, "Well, at the moment, Penn State's uh, looks a little yeah, more dominant than a Maryland. Little, <laughs> a little, a <laughs> little.
0: Twenty-seven points in the first half." So, little. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, little did, speaking of little, little did I know that that first half, which I was watching on my, would be the only half worth watching. (laughs) Was actually the best part of the game, you know? (laughs) Um, Because by the time I got home, it was like pretty much uh, everyone closed up shop and um, decided the game was over. So another um, another nine. Anyway, it was a great weekend. I was really proud of Juan, and, um, you know, he's. uh, just around the corner from uh, earning his Eagle badge after having been uh, Cub Scout and Boy Scout pretty much his whole life. Um, you know, shout out to him and um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how uh, he'll be that the first, turns out. He'll but be the first anyway. Eagle
0: Scout in our family since our grandfather. Yeah. we, Me, you, and dad all bailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We jumped ship. <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah, a good testament to his, uh, his fortitude and um, all that stuff, too. Great. So... Um, you know, for us today, uh, we're, we're going to talk about that Maryland game. Um, before then, we're going to get through some news and notes. Um, we're going to look at the mailbag, a couple of first-time entrants as well, uh, like we had in the last week or so. Um, and then um, we'll look ahead to, you know, what's going to be probably the most exciting game of the year when we go face the Scarlet Knights
0: of Rutgers. Not, you just, you just wait. outlined it yeah that's sounds right the the toughest road <laughs> opponent of our season Rutgers
1: um, <laughs> yeah i mean my my honestly my guess is that there are gonna be a a, a healthy number of Penn state fans uh at uh, at the Rutgers stadium this weekend hopefully that'll uh that'll help the boys feel sure. at home but Sure. <laughs> In any case, um, let's go ahead and let's just let's – just, we don't have to talk about records just yet. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, some other football this weekend with um, our News and Notes. News and Notes. And so while Penn State was taking care of business against – maryland um there were some other interesting things happening around the college football world as we uh you know come into the home stretch um so bro like we've done the last couple times let's uh let's get some 10 second takes tongue twister 10 second take tom's 10 second
0: takes tongue twisters tom's tech i can't do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can't do it anyway um we're gonna start um near the top of the um uh, of the rankings uh this was not an upset but but pretty close. Um, number four, TCU asserts their dominance in the big 12 securing a bid to the conference championship game with a 17 to 10 win over number 18 Texas
0: um so first of all it actually technically was an upset TCU was not favored in the game Texas was favored a home game so technically by Vegas standards was an upset um I didn't I wasn't really wow. cl- like clued into this game too much to understand what what was going on all I know is it was a basically a, a, like a defensive battle the whole game and TCU pulled it out and i don't know if that that win is too is is overly shiny in the grand scheme of things they just need to win out tcu just needs to win out and then uh, and they're in If they lose a game they're probably out just my assumption all right oh and lastly lastly real quick here uh i think even though i was already over 10 seconds i think i need a little tangent here because we have a we have a debate you and i uh is it good or bad for Penn State's Rose Bowl hopes if uh or w- yeah if for Penn State's Rose Bowl hopes if TCU wins out and makes the college bowl playoff because we need two Big 10 teams Michigan and Ohio State to make the college bowl playoff in order for us to go to um Pasadena so does TCU running the table hurt or help us uh, my brain is kind of like I'm not sure I think I almost think we actually need everyone to lose at least one maybe two games to like for there to be no conversation of if the one loss Big Ten team doesn't that doesn't go to the you know the Big Ten playoff so if Michigan loses or Ohio State loses are they able to get in without winning the conference over top of some of these other you know potential conference winners like a one loss or a undefeated TCU yeah I think you know so so last week I, I said oh let TCU win and you just sort of
1: like you know, you're going to have a gimme with an undefeated. And um, I have been rethinking that for sure because, you know, what the conversation needs to be is which
0: one loss team who's yeah, and if not you add a conference a, champion. And yeah. if you add a one lost team like you know, TCU so like, in there, that's just one more one loss team that, that a, a Big Ten one loss team has to fight for. Exactly. You, know, so so you want like, them to be an
1: outright winner. Like Michigan's gonna be going up against, you know, assuming Tennessee wins out a team like Tennessee, right? So who won't be a conference winner? Who won't be a conference winner, right? Because they they're right. they're blocked from that because of Georgia, but they lost to number one Georgia and it wasn't like a, a runaway game you know
0: it wasn't close it wasn't, it wasn't close. close but it wasn't like a, a blowout either and uh, uh, the score made it look closer than what it, the actual they, they got dominated they got i'm not dominated. arguing with you i'm just
1: saying like from yeah. the perspective of you know uh the the committee who you know who the heck knows what they're gonna do it's not a it's who's gonna love them terrible some SEC blemish, bias you know and depending on what happens with ohio state and michigan assuming they're you know, both undefeated going into their um, rivalry game, uh, you know, you, you're you going to need to go up against a team like Tennessee. You, you know, there's you're going to have potentially a USC team, which is going to be yeah. potentially a one-loss conference champion if they win the Pac-12. And, um, right. you know, so I think what you really want to get two Big Ten teams in is you want as many of the other teams to have one – or two losses in order to get, you know, both Ohio state and Michigan. And, and that, that opens up a pathway for Penn state to have the best possible bowl coming at the end of the season. So Clearly. I don't know if we're going to get that, you know, I don't, I, things
0: are still falling in place. Like it hasn't been ruled true. out. We're still kind of going down that road of like, we've got a few more teams out of our way here. Um, yep. and you and know, let's get to some of those yeah. results Let's keep uh, going now
1: here. by, by going back. Um, so here's your next headline, bro. Um, The Huskies feast on duck in the transfer bowl... With Michael Penix Jr. outdueling Bo Nix to propel the number 25 Washington Huskies to a 37 24 win over number six Oregon.
0: This is a season defining uh, game and win for Kalen DeBoers, uh, which, by the way, first year head coach at Washington, um, season defining um, win for them. It changed the trajectory of their whole season by going on the road. It was a very impressive win. Very tough loss for Oregon and Bo Nix and all the fans out there. Very tough loss. Knocked them out of the playoff, basically.
1: Yeah, and um, takes care of one of those one-loss teams. Right. Um, next headline. Number nine, Alabama bounces back against number 11, Ole Miss, turning away the Rebels at the goal line to win 30-24. to
0: Yeah. Um, I... It's, Still, Alabama with some some issues and concerns, but they they pulled it off. They they went on the road and what could have been a a major hangover uh, defeat here, Um, and you know stuck it to Lane Kiffin and the and the Ole Miss Rebels. And Ole Miss is now one of those two lost teams that's going to be out of the you know might drop below Penn State uh, in the college football playoff rankings come tomorrow. I mean everybody everybody was writing off Nick Saban and Bama after that loss to LSU last week so they bounced back that was important for them. Overreaction much? Yeah. <laughs> uh
1: next headline, unranked Arizona ruins number 12 UCLA's breakout season rolling over the Bruins 34
0: to 28. This was UCLA was are they were they a one-loss or a two-loss team? I forget prior to this game. Anyways, they they had they, they still had Pac-12 title aspirations, and the, I I think this was this snapped an Arizona losing streak to to Pac-12 teams. I think it was. I I hope I'm not um, misrepresenting the statistic, but if I recall, it was like maybe like more than twenty games in the Pac-12 that Arizona had lost or something like that. In in a row, yikes! Like, something like that, and and uh, you know I don't know anything about that that game or that team that much. All I know is watching Arizona play. They they needed that kind of win. It was it looked it looked so emotional for that team when they pulled it out. Their quarterback was crying on the sidelines. Like it, it, it was everything you love about college football was in that game. As far as underdogs, you know, coming to the table and knocking off a top ranked team. The Golden Eagles beat the Wolfpack as Boston College
1: knocks off number sixteen North Carolina State twenty-one to twenty.
0: Uh, that was the dark horse for some people making the College football playoff. That NC State team with a f- returning ferocious defense, a returning um, you know very good quarterback, and they have dropped the ball this year they've totally dropped the ball this year and um they could be knocked out of the top 25 with a loss to a abysmal Boston College team mind you so i mean the, the, these shakeups these these it's so hard to win week in and week out it doesn't matter who the opponent is it really doesn't like you can lose any week to an unranked you know bad team and this speaking is, of yeah.
1: Unranked oh, Vanderbilt yeah. humbles go. the Wildcats, beating number twenty-four Kentucky twenty-four to twenty-one.
0: Uh, Vandy is really bad this year, really bad this year. <laughs> and Will Levis did not have a good game at all. He's Will Levis is in a funk. Kentucky's in a funk. They they went from a top ten team to being knocked. Now they're knocked out. They are like they're going to get a, a crap bowl. Will Levis is you know his I mean, top. You know, first-round draft pick status is likely, you know, all smoke and mirrors at this point. Interesting turn of
1: events on the Will Levis front, for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Um. All right. A couple of wild card headlines for you. Okay. These these are not top twenty-five headlines or anything like that, but just like kind of fan interest sorts of things. All right. Got two of them for you. Here's the first. For the first time since joining the Big 12, West Virginia beats Oklahoma 23 to 20, handing the Sooners their fifth loss of the season.
0: Oklahoma might not make a bowl game. I, I think their their last two games are uh, one is Texas Tech. I forget who the other one is, but I think it's a team that's even better than Texas Tech, and they they might finish the season five and seven. <clears throat> Excuse me. So first year. Um, former Clemson defensive coordinator, now head coach at Oklahoma, Brent Venables, following up Lincoln Rylan, excuse me, Lincoln Riley. Dude, this is a utter... Disaster at Oklahoma, utter disaster. They, uh, every fan over there is not is not being patient right now. They are clamoring for a, you know, some serious drastic changes, and, and a lot of them are obviously asking for, for that coach to be fired at this point, which is unreal, unheard of at Oklahoma to be going five and seven like this after a string of amazing, like a whole, the last decade for Oklahoma was, you know, college football playoff uh, or bust every year. Now they're not going to make a bowl. It's just a massive turn of events there. Wild. Uh, Speaking of
1: hot seat controversies, here's this headline. Auburn hangs on to beat Texas A&M 13 to 10, handing the Aggies their sixth straight loss and guaranteeing Jimbo Fisher a losing record on the season.
0: Yeah. Um Equally as embarrassing uh, for a team like Oklahoma is a team like Texas A&M that has thrown so much money at their coach, so much money at the, at the program, um, you know, getting all these incredible first round, uh, excuse me, uh, number one recruiting classes, um, f- five stars galore across the board. They're imploding um, at every level you can imagine. Uh, over there and uh, jimbo uh, his buyout is 86 million dollars right now everybody's wondering uh, like can they afford that buyout and oh my god <laughs> probably you can fire him um but i don't know what kind <laughs> of boosters they got over there as far as just writing a, a check for 86 mil um but their offense is so bad like our worst offensive years at Penn state in my lifetime are are better than this i think are Better than what they're putting out at offense, uh, you know, under Jimbo Fisher, who's still calling the plays, I think. Um, it's just, and by the way, all credit to Auburn, um, Cadillac Williams, the interim coach, um, looked they looked good last year, they were competitive, or excuse me, last week, they were competitive, they almost won that game last week, and now here, you know, beating Texas AM, that's huge for that for Auburn, um, right now, and just getting some momentum going into the offseason, and maybe Cadillac Williams is like. Possibly, possibly, who knows, uh, in line for being considered for the, that head coaching position. Um, didn't mean to take a tangent there too much, but that's the, the, the storylines around both those programs are very intriguing. Uh, and I will, I'm, I'm interested to see how they both shake out in the offseason. Thought you'd like that. Um, yep. All right. Yep. Turning to the Big Ten, um,
1: got a got a couple of um, kind of what are you going to say about it? Results um, starting with
0: number two, Ohio State steamrolls Indiana fifty six to fourteen. There's not much to say about this game. Um, you know, they did what they were expected to do, which was steamroll Indiana. I mean, who we we did. They should. Um, they did lose their second string. Uh, running back my, me and williams um he got had to get like helped off the field um and travion henderson their number one running back is injured as well so they're getting beat up uh on the offense uh, over there and, and you know jackson and jigba smith their number one wide receiver he's been injured almost the entire season I I don't when you when you think about the game in 2 weeks against Michigan for Ohio State you will got to wonder if these injuries are too much for them to overcome against a you know roll, rolling Michigan team at this point Speaking of Michigan speaking of,
1: <laughs> speaking of Number 3 Michigan takes care of business against Nebraska beating them 34 to 3 in the first of two straight cross division matchups
0: Yeah Michigan just looks like they're you, you know, just very workman, like taking care of business, nothing too flashy. Um, you know they're running the ball well. They're they're doing play action well. Their defense is smothering. Uh, they're they're they've got their their eyes set on the prize. They they actually have to beat Illinois next week. Um, you know who's reeling. I'm I'll be interested in watching that Illinois Michigan game to see if that's a, a sort of a look ahead game for um, Michigan as they prepare for Ohio State the following week. Is is Brett Bielema and um, you know that that reeling illinois team able to pull off a you you know one of those trappy look-ahead upsets we'll see it's it's a very intriguing game to me
1: it's very interesting storyline especially considering this past weekend unranked Purdue shocked number 21 illinois 31 to 24 as the boilermakers knock off the illini from their perch as division leaders and now giving Purdue the inside track to the Big Ten championship game.
0: Um, I don't know if Purdue has the inside track. They do. I, I, I they do. If they win out,
1: they're in the West Division.
0: No, no. Yes, uh, no. They're not. If Illinois, sorry, if if Illinois loses to, I think if if Illinois loses to Michigan, I'm gonna have to fight you on this one. uh, uh, If Iowa wins out, they're in. If Illinois loses to Michigan, that's how that works out. I'm I'm almost positive, dude. I'm almost positive. I, I've read it multiple places, so I don't think right. Purdue controls their destiny. Um, I think they, they do
1: because they have the same record as Illinois in the y- conference. Yeah, but I think
0: um, I mean as um, but Iowa. Iowa beat but Iowa beat Purdue, mm. so they have the they have the they have the uh, tiebreaker um yeah interesting that's how they have the same exact record just like you said um and and purdue lost to iowa the week before they lost they lost last week like 34 to 3 or something like that or 24 to 3 excuse me if you get 24 to 3 so they do not control their destiny um and like i said if unless illinois beats michigan illinois would would control their destiny if they beat michigan yeah so in other words purdue needs iowa to lose Right, that is correct. All right, well, obviously, about um, the game uh, though, hold on about the game though, real quick. Um, (laughs) I mean, we have have gone off the the clock quite a bit in that game with with their passing attack, and they got their running game going a little bit too. It was a very, I don't think a lot of people picked Purdue to win that game, um, and Purdue was and and for what it's worth Illinois shot themselves in the foot a lot with a ton of costly penalties uh in that game. So um you know what and by the way related to Penn State Penn State by and large this season has played a lot of clean football when it comes to penalties. So uh, got to hand it to Franklin's ability to keep the the team playing smart minus his own pushups uh and oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs>
1: uh all right next headline Michigan state Manages a win beating lowly Rutgers 27 to 21.
0: Not much to talk about this. Um, you know. It was that a close game. These are our final two opponents um for the next 2 weeks in this season. So it's it's interesting to get a look at what these teams are doing <laughs> against each other. Um I just think not much. Yeah, I just think that they're both um bad teams right now and and I think the game shows that I, I believe that we'll beat the crap out of both these teams Michigan State might be a closer game um, than we'd want but I still think we beat them up pretty good so who cares about these two teams right now (laughs) all right two more quick ones
1: Uh, Iowa's defense suffocates the Badgers as they roll to a 24-10 win versus Wisconsin
0: yeah I think this is um, pretty telling uh, about the the way Iowa has you know they were in the headlines for all the wrong reasons for the whole first half of the season, and their offense is still not good. Um, you know, it was the defense that really controlled this game. It's Petrus, the quarterback, still looked terrible, but Mertz really kind of gave the game away with a pick six, and the you know that team, the Wisconsin team, is kind of um, they're they're in a weird place because um, they recruiting wise. They are having a tough time potentially even hanging on to the players that they've got going into next year because they they haven't established we have who our head coach is for next year. And I've even been hearing uh, rumors that uh their their lead running back, what's his name? Um oh, the number zero, Braylon, Braylon Allen, um, who's a stud running back. I'm hearing that that Michigan might be doing some tampering and trying to pull him over to Michigan next season. So, um, and, and, and the, the interim coach, Jim Leonard, uh, longtime defensive coordinator there, um, he even came out and said some of this kind of stuff in, and that, that like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage because I'm not, you know, on the, on the books as the head coach. So I can't recruit like I'm the head coach and, and basically, you know, calling out the athletic department for being like, "Hey, you know, crap or get off the pot. You know, hire me, or you're going to have problems with keeping this team intact moving forward." Because this is a bad. This Wisconsin team is like, what are they like five and five right now? I think they're five it's and not five. Not good. I think they're five and five. Wow. I think they were five and four before Yikes. the game. So Yikes. A bad still, bad year. Still trying to still trying to make a bowl. I'm mean, still trying to keep their team intact moving to, into next year. So yeah, yeah. Tangent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stay focused Thomas can't won't never do. <laughs> never Last have. headline for the day Minnesota manhandles Northwestern 31 to 3. Not much to talk about. Minnesota should be manhandling them. Northwestern's terrible. They have one win on the season. They're 1 and 9. Ouch. I don't know how any coach survives that but they probably will when Pat Fitzgerald. Well, just goes to show you, you know, a, a lot of uh, mess
1: in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West. Um, not a lot of, uh, you know, good football being played outside of uh, a few teams near the top. And Penn State, uh, ironically, surprisingly, happens to be one of those teams. Um, obviously, we didn't have a good day against Michigan. We missed our chance against Ohio State, but... You know, as the season is rounding into form, Penn State has been playing well. And that includes this most recent game against Maryland. Maryland was probably the next best team in the East. And, um, boy, we just dominated them. It was not really a game. And, um, you know, the thing that's been coming to mind for me lately is um, the phrase, win the ones you're supposed to. Yeah. Right? Win the ones you're supposed to. And that's, you know, that's really been what's defined the season this year. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, it's a sign of the team's progress. Even, even this season, bro, this was, this was kind of interesting to me. I I haven't shared this thought with you. I'm curious to get your reaction, but like this particular game was a hurricane game. You know, the, the remnants of the, this latest hurricane was, um, going through, it was rainy, it was windy. Um, and it's our second game played like that this season at Beaver Stadium. The first one was against uh, Northwestern. Yeah. And we near very nearly lost that game to, as you just said, a very bad Northwestern team. This was a totally different game against, at least on paper, a much better team. And it just goes to show you, you know, how this team has progressed and that we, you know, we really, you know, outclassed them on basically every level.
0: Yeah. So you know that Northwestern game you're re- referring to. We had, f- I believe, five fumbles from the running back oh position. Gosh. I was at five or four. Um, it was a, it was maybe four fumbles and like an interception from yeah, Clifford. that or might something be right. Like that. that might be right. Um, so you know, you're it, thinking, it you're thinking Okay, did these true freshmen like fix those? You know, lapses in ball control, and is it gonna or is it gonna resurface, and we're gonna find ourselves in a dogfight against Maryland. Um, Although you know, after watching the game, our running backs dominated. Uh, you know, they ran for uh, between our two freshmen. Um, they ran for almost a, you know 200 yards and two touchdowns. So and no fumbles. Um, you know, there was one fumble by our third string quarterback Christian Veyer, um, in a in a botched snap, basically. So you know that that's that. I don't put that on you know anyone other than just like the backups were in and it was a little sloppy at that point in time. But dude, so. Very impressive that we were able to um, fix those ball control errors in a game like this, uh, especially with it being true freshmen. You know, fix, fixing their errors, uh, and you know, <laughs> this this Maryland team, um, what they came into this game, what I think they were six and three. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, and they almost they they almost beat Michigan you know, at least they were within a score of, you know, beating Michigan. So this is not a pushover team. However, they did play a really bad game last week. Um, So maybe coming off of that game, they didn't really quite have, weren't able to pick the pieces up enough to, to stand up to Penn State. But we dominated the, I would say the last, you know, possible team on our schedule to make a sort of you know if you can make a statement in these last three games Maryland's the team you want to do it against at least from like a college football playoff committee type resume or just like optics of of how we you know controlled the game we utterly dominated them in the first half utterly our defense came out and just you know shut down any possible like semblance of Maryland even moving the ball it, for positive yardage was t- difficult for Maryland at every single turn. You know, I think I think the the st- the stat that keeps coming back is at one point, you know, they had as many yards as we had points at the yeah, end of the first at half. the end of the first half. <laughs> right, 27 and I mean, Wow. Yeah. So, and they had credit to the defense and like a ton of just, negative plays. Our oh, defensive yeah. line, our, our Manny's, you know, dynamic defense was just swarming from all positions. Jair Brown was all over the field. Abdul Carter was all over the field. We had, you know, freshman Zane Durant just looking dominant at times. And we got what? Seven sacks? got seven sacks in the game and seven nine sacks on Nine the day, total yeah. tackles for loss and to go off of the 16 ta- tackles for loss and six sacks we had last week i mean th- this is how you this is how you beat the teams you're supposed to is you dominate them on the on the on the lines in the lines and our and our offensive line did the same thing is we looked d- dominant on the offensive line by and large too yeah i i fully agree with you um I- I would say
1: similar to um, last week against Indiana, the defense really set the tone, and it's been really interesting to watch against some of these, you know, inferior teams. Um, watch our defense come out and just smother people. Um, you already mentioned the uh, the negative plays. Um, they only had three first downs in the entire first half. Yeah, they only had four snaps in Penn State territory the entire first half they had 6 punts and one turnover on downs um and this was not like as as we were saying this was not a pushover team um at least you know in terms of record um coming into the game Maryland was ranked 4th in the Big 10 in scoring offense yeah you yeah. know but the, n- n- they ended up going into halftime averaging just 1 yard per play Like that's just not rush per play per play. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it was just, it was just uh, a really, really impressive performance. Um, Look, it's a shutout game. Like that's, always a feather in the cap for a defense against any team. We didn't get a shutout against central Michigan, for example, you know, we didn't get a shutout against Ohio university. Um, so to get a shutout against a, a team like, um, Maryland and a, a quarterback like, um, Talia tagavaloa um, it's, it's really cool. Um, Maryland did get a few things going in the second half as we were getting more and more um, second and third stringers in there, um, but even then the defense came in um, after uh, the aforementioned snap uh, problem with uh, Christian Vayer and we turned the ball over. Maryland got the ball down to the Penn State 17, um, but then we stopped them on a fourth and two. You know, we shut them down and and preserved the shutout. So that to me, that's just it was really really awesome. Awesome day on the
0: defense. Um Nicholas, yeah, uh and 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 by the way, Nicholas Singleton in that offensive line and and, and we just they just controlled. They just controlled what you know, kept the, you know, the um the Maryland offense off the field with our with our, you know, we had 10 more minutes of possession than Maryland. Yikes. So it's crazy. I, it's domination on on domination when you can run the ball and play suffocating defense.
1: Yeah, so um before we talk about the run game and um, that side of the ball, I just wanted to mention one other thing that, um, you know, Talia Tagovailoa is a good quarterback. He, as we said, coming into the game, he was like 70% on the, on the season in terms of completion percentage. Um, his yardage, I mean, he's racking up a lot of yards through the air, a little banged up, um, you know, coming into the game, but, but really, really a dangerous and talented quarterback. We made him look bad really bad not only did um uh we sack him seven times and i don't know what the total negative yards were but on, on the um score sheet he had negative 45 rushing yards on the day <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> so i don't know if he had any positive runs that would have like you know offset a couple of those snap uh and he's those in sack a yards. quarterback
0: too like I, yeah and and we just i mean but the, it, the athleticism of our D line and the athleticism of Abdul Carter and the athleticism of Jair Brown basically made it impossible for him to escape all that pressure and get positive yards. Where, you know, in some of these other games, you know, these quarterbacks who aren't running quarterbacks were able to like gash us for like third and long and, and you know, escape containment and get upfield and get first downs. And Talia just couldn't exactly. find any and, of that. You know, so of the passes he was able to get off, he he had 22
1: attempts. He only completed 11 passes. It was 50% on the day and uh for a grand total of 74 yards passing on the day for Maryland.
0: Well, so he had one less completion than Sean had, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about that
1: because it's true. Um, you know, Penn State, uh our quarterbacks did not have a great passing day either, and I don't think the weather was that big of a factor i mean maybe it was i, 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 wasn't I mean there. i
0: think that it played a role i don't know yeah. if it was like it just it did with 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 maryland you know without having a running attack that's working that was it, it just high highlighted how much worse that you know that their passing attack was that nothing was able to get working against our, our team for us at least you know Sean wasn't creating, making huge mistakes that cost us um, whole drives and end the game because we had that running attack that was just dominating.
1: Yeah, um, and and they're. A rushing attack. Um, you know, Roman Hemby. We said he's a he's a pretty good back. We held him to sixty eight yards on thirteen carries. Um, and, and by so, the way,
0: a lot of those came. I think the the bigger chunks of those came in the second half. Yeah. Um. When our when our, I think our second and third stringers were kind of playing a little bit more. Um. And but but you know, in the first half when it all kind of mattered, he could he could not get going. He did not get going at all. Just to put an
1: exclamation point uh, on the defense before we talk a little bit about uh, what we did in that run game on the other side of the ball, Um, you already mentioned Abdul Carter. He had himself a day. He was everywhere. He looked every bit the number 11 that he wears. Um, Seven tackles. Three of them were solo. One sack, one tackle for loss, two quarterback hurries, and one pass defended. And by the way, this is the day when uh, Curtis Jacobs was on the sideline with injury, and um, so you know Abdul Carter was really the you know the linebacker who was making plays there, and um, you know that linebacking core did not seem to miss a beat with uh, Curtis Jacobs out. Yeah. Um likewise in the secondary, I'm not sure if you had mentioned that um Joey Porter Jr. was on the sidelines. He was not dressed. Um, unclear what that was. It's not injury. Um, but uh Kalen King, he's now, you know, with JPJ out, he's the primary cover corner, and he just was you know, had tremendous coverage, two passes defended, two solo tackles, and um, did not let uh, their, their top receivers have any room to work. Uh, it was a really great day for him. You already mentioned Jair Brown and, and the work he was doing to, you know, create chaos and havoc. And the last thing I'll just say on the defensive front, Chop Robinson. Yep. Here's a Maryland transfer. Yep. He led the team in sacks. Um, which also, by the way, um, puts him for the sack leader on the season for Penn State. I don't know if you knew that. How many
0: is that on the season? Do you know?
1: I, I didn't have, I didn't get that number, but okay. just sort of read a report that that he now leads the team on the season. And um,
0: Richard, sophomore.
1: Yeah, by the he way. was given an opportunity to speak or, to the press um, after the game, and they were just talking about like what he makes of the difference between Maryland and Penn State. And this was my favorite quote of the day: <laughs> "Penn State is just Penn State." and Maryland is just Maryland that was his t- <laughs> yeah yeah that Sorry, was his take he's a, on I the think comparison i a
0: sophomore by the way um yeah. a true sophomore but uh i think um on the season he has 4 sacks total now um so that I, that leads um i think de- maybe denny de- or excuse me Deny dennis sutton may may have 3 I think, um, and then we have like I think Jair Brown has like two on the season or something like that. But uh, we're 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 a disruptive defense. We don't get it all from one guy as far as the pressures and the havoc plays. The way Manny defense Manny Diaz defense sets up is that we cycle so many players around. Um, you know, not just from a depth standpoint, but moving them around in formations um, that you're not just getting. Individual dominant perform performances game in and game out from one guy. You're getting, you're getting this from uh, this being spread load across the whole ro- defensive roster, all right. Like you, um, like you know we had Abdul Carter had seven total tackles, and then we had like ten guys with four tackles. You know, so they're just we're getting production from everywhere. Oh. Really a great
1: time. team effort, and the scheme really seems to be you know, coming in, into its own. I mean, it showed up even against Ohio State up through the, you know, partway through the fourth quarter where, you know, we, we really shut down a very, very potent uh, offensive attack. Um, couldn't quite hold it through the rest of the game, but here against Maryland, um, last week against Indiana, it's just our defense seems to be just... Taking over games and it's been really fun to watch. Really fun yeah. to watch. Yeah.
0: So and um, by the way, I, I said we had ten guys with four tackles. I meant we had ten guys with three or more tackles. Is what I meant to say. Well, thank you for correcting yourself. Just want to make sure I'm being I'm being factually correct and not just throwing stuff out against the wall, making people believe things that are false. Alternative okay. facts. Alternative facts. (laughs)
1: Um, All right. So let's talk about that run game. Of course, Nick Singleton, um, he was the man of the day. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, Just two of his runs alone, you know, really kind of encapsulate what kind of a day Penn State had. Um, You know, there were fourth and one plays where, um, and this is the kind of play that's been a problem for Penn State In the last few years, you know, where you try to run the ball on third or fourth and short and you get stuffed. And on both of these plays, Nick Singleton hit at the line, fights through uh, some tackles and breaks off huge runs for a touchdown, uh, 45 yards and 27 yards, uh, touchdown runs on fourth and one. Nick Singleton finished uh, with 122 yards on the day. over eleven carries, um, uh, for eleven point one yards per carry. I mean, just a great performance all day. And the thing that stood out for me wasn't just those big runs, bro. But like we've sort of had a knock on Singleton the last few games, yeah. Um, of absolutely. just like
0: well the whole season, the whole season. Yeah, really. just
1: kind of getting getting tripped up with like little shoestring tackles or like w- getting bumped and falling to the ground on on first contact. And um, he ran hard and he ran mean, yeah. Uh, on on Saturday and really kind of showed a different side of his game. And I I thought that was, that was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that he has yeah, he he looked angry at times running, you know, through and sometimes into and over um players and falling forward for for positive yardage when he would, you know, was getting tackled. Um but on the two runs that were the touchdown runs, both of those runs were um I think one was 27 yards, the other one was 45 yards if I remember correctly. Yeah, I just said um, that. But on each, Thanks for reiterating. Okay, it. thank you. On each of those plays, <laughs> um you know, there was a deep, an interior defensive lineman that broke through and um, were, was right there to make the tackle on Nicholas, Nicholas Singleton. And, um, you know, at the very least, was there to like make a shoestring tackle, which is, like you just said, his Achilles heel so far this season was getting tripped up when, you know, he could have busted it for 10 plus yards on all these you know, similar shoestring like tackles. You're just like, ah, if he would just, you know, break, break through that contact, he'd have big gains. And guess what? Both of these times, you know, he shed that initial would-be tackler and then the blocking on those short yardage uh formations, what do they call them? Like the the, the T formation, uh super bunched up with extra tight ends and extra running back in the backfield. Katron Allen, Tyler Warren, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson—they blocked these plays perfectly for Singleton to avoid that first would-be tackler and then take it to the house. And it was good vision to to follow, let his you know let his blockers, um, you know, do what they had to do before he's just running into the backs of, of their blockers, uh, you know. And so he is starting to round into form of a more complete type of running back, which is what we have been saying by and large this whole season, um, is that Catron Allen is that more complete running back. But if you start, you know, Singleton taking a couple of pages out of Catron Allen's book for finding vision, following his blockers, finding those creases, cutting back uh, against the the blocking lanes, and, you know, if he's able to do that like Catron Allen but have the top speed, dude, we have two running backs that are you know, just starting to feel their way through what it's like to be a D1 running back, and there still is growth to be had, and they're growing in this season, they are developing before our very eyes. And I mean, even K. Allen ran for five, he had five more carries and, you know, he had like almost 75 yards. So he's still, it's not like he disappeared in this game. He was critical, played critical role and, and, uh, you know, did his job very well. Um, But Singleton, just, you can see that he has that other gear that really is dangerous to defenses and it's just fun to watch the development i,
1: I mean it was it was great to watch i mean I, I think it was the second of those two fourth and one runs where he had it was maybe a linebacker or, or a you know um cornerback or something you know trying to take him down from behind and he's like fighting him off right. with his arm and you know get away get away and he's just like you know yeah most of that 20 yard run after he got through the line was fighting off that guy behind him and it was Again, it was, he ran angry, he ran hard, broke a lot of tackles, not just on those two runs, but I think others of his runs through the day, um, you know, really, he came out with an edge and it's almost like, you know, I don't know if the coaches, you know, gave him a super cut of all the times that he got knocked down, you know, and, and, Probably. and fell over or <laughs> if he was self-scouting or, you know, uh, you know, I'm not sure what happened that, that, that changed the tone of his running game, but it was, it was really exciting to see, um, you don't. Don't want to leave Catron um, Allen behind. He also had a great day, like you said, over 70 yards on the day. And between these two um, young backs, I mean, it's it's just a great tandem. Um, right now, Singleton has 801 yards on the season. And with three games left, he really has a, a good shot to get over
0: 1,000 yards on the season that w- I mean, especially when you factor in the the bowl game, he, he, barring injury, he'll likely crest over a thousand yards at least in the by the bowl game. I mean, everyone so, can have an yeah. off
1: day, um, and and so he's got to have a couple of good, uh, days still. Um, but there's only two other running backs in Penn State history that have had a thousand yards as a freshman. One we've already talked about Saquon Barkley. Uh, the other one is DJ Dozier. Um, and so, and that's just a hair over a thousand yards for each of those guys. And, you know, certainly if Catron goes off in either of these, um, last remaining games or has a really phenomenal bowl game, I mean, he could, he could hold the freshman rushing record by the end of the season. You mean Singleton? Who did what I did you say? Said, you said katron Um, yeah, I meant Singleton. Catron uh, for, for himself, he, he's, you know, already got, um, 600, um, looking for it right here 600 31 yards on the season um, so you know he's got. I mean, he's still
0: he's going to be able to break the the prior freshman record himself too. Yeah, I mean uh, both touchdowns and yards. They both are going to do it. It's incredible. And 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 Singleton now has ten total touchdowns, rushing touchdowns on the season, which uh, there is no longer he he you know, Noah came had eight, Catron still has eight, and now Nicholas Singleton stands alone at ten as far as most touchdowns by a, fr- a rookie, excuse me, freshman running back.
1: I mean it's an incredible season um running the ball for Penn State um knowing that the vast majority of it has come from two true freshmen and also you know this is the, we we touched on a little bit last week but i mean Penn State has been abysmal for a few seasons running the ball even back in 2019 you know when Noah uh and uh Journey Brown you know kind of were the tandem it wasn't really till the end of the season that uh, the running game really got going and it sort of came to life in that, um, you know, uh, game against Memphis and the cotton bowl, but it wasn't like obvious through the season that we had a great running game. It took a long time to develop it, but, but this season, basically all year from the beginning of the year, we've had a really solid run game and it's just, it's only gotten better as the season has gone along. Long and to me, I think that is super exciting. It like finally feels, it finally feels like Penn State's gotten some things corrected in terms of a, uh, you know, recent history of of having a, a subpar running game that you're not really excited to watch the ball get handed off. This year, I feel like you're excited to watch these guys uh, make something happen when they get the ball credit to the offensive line as well because they're a huge part of the reason why we're having success this year and we've got two talented backs to take advantage
0: yeah and to touch on the offensive line aspect of this um we've also we've also been having to test our offensive line depth pretty you know, considerably because our number one left tackle, Olufashan who's out. Uh Landon Tangwall was um injured in the pre pre-game of I think it was last week's Indiana game. Um and he's out for the season. He had surgery. Um so he won't be back. And you know, so that's our entire left side of the line these last two weeks has been out. And our true freshman um Drew Shelton has been having to play in place of uh, Olufushanu. um, J.B. Nelson, I think is his name. He's a, a, a transfer. Um, I forget from what, uh, yeah, I think it was like, like a college. or something like that. No, that's, that's Hunter Norzad. Um, oh, my bad. Uh, and Hunter Norzad, I think, I think he's been injured too. So, um, you know, a Nelson lot of is from, uh, he's a
1: Juco transfer from Lackawanna. That's correct.
0: Yeah that's correct, from Lackawanna. um so we've had to test our depth and our depth is still allowing 100-yard rushing games um and and dominant rushing games I, and again you know I get I get it it's against indiana it's against maryland but i mean the last 2 years prior to this if we were as banged up as we are now in the offensive line um would you think that our backup you know offensive linemen would be able to muster any sort of push for a run game this would this would be a tragedy like these last two games. <laughs> yeah. We'd get beat by Maryland. We'd probably get beat by Indiana with the offensive line uh, banged up last year. We were just this is a totally new. Um, I think uh, Trout wine has gotten you know his offensive line scheme and his offensive line coaching in check and in line and there's development happening and there's cohesiveness uh, happening and these guys are. Playing, I'd say above average for what we've been accustomed to from the the offensive line position and and group. Yeah, you mentioned um,
1: that we got a hundred yard day. I think you're talking about specifically a hundred yard back. Um, f- yeah, for yeah, the yeah, yeah. for the day as a team, our rushing total was 249 yards, and yeah. we would have been over 250 if not for a team loss of 2 yards which i think is probably on that um fumble snap um so you know take that away we had 251 yards rushing on the day that's just an incredible day our average was 5.8 yards per carry as a team um and that includes the six carries that tank smith had for 2.2 yards uh per right. average um <laughs> so you know it was just a, a great day on the ground and um credit to the offensive line uh credit to those um you know, the vision of those running backs. And um, not only is the future bright, but you know it seems like our, our present running game is really exciting. And it'll be interesting to see what we dial up for Rutgers. Um, on the day, Penn State outgained Maryland 413 yards to 134 yards. You know, so back to what you were saying in terms of the dominance in the trenches on both sides of the ball. It, it was a great day um, on that front. Um, now there were a couple of negative things to talk about, um, on the day, uh, including the fact that we basically only played half a game and, um, Clifford did not look great on the day, but before we get into just talking about some of those sort of, I don't know, it's not a silver lining. What is it? A dark lining. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, we also need to mention, uh, Jake Pinniger. He had three field goals on the day, including, uh, tying a career high 50 yarder, added a 46-yarder a as well, um, perfect on extra points, and uh, did a great job on kickoffs. And he's someone who's quietly been um, having a turnaround kind of season this year, and I, I wanted to mention that, and especially in a sloppy day, getting nine points and um, keeping Maryland from feeling like they're in the game actually turned out to be, I think, pretty significant. So uh, credit to Jake. I don't know if you want to say anything about that, bro.
0: Yeah. Um. Not really. Uh it, it is impressive that he has um kind of turned his career around. Uh I don't think he gets to I don't think he has another season after this. I I'm not entirely sure if he does or not. Um but, I think this is his last one, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice to see that at least if he's if he's gone after this year that he's concluding his Penn State career on a high note um and you know hitting those field goals in that in those conditions wet, windy, rainy like that's that's awesome. Like we, we, and by the way, th- those he got his his two long field goals within the last minute and forty seconds of the of the first half. Um, so they were, you know, those were uh, two field goals that basically kind of put the nail in the coffin. Um, is for he he. Let's put it this way: he scored the last nine points for Penn State. Um, if you remove those nine points, we we win. 21 to nothing like it's it's not it doesn't it doesn't look as good on paper <laughs> you know if we just beat maryland 21 to nothing those those field goals mattered uh in, in a big way they, they, without hitting those the um the complexion of the game could could have changed you know coming down coming back from down um 21 points uh at, at the end of the first half is, gonna, is a different thing than 27 points so um they're not they were not inconsequential field goals as far as I can see. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, really important day for Jake Pinnaker. Really glad to see him uh, hitting his groove. Um, But that also kind of brings us to sort of the, you you know, kind of the kind of knock on the day is that it was really just a one-half effort on the offense. Um, Penn State scored only three points in the second half. And I know that the rain was coming down a little harder. I know that, um, you know, Maryland seemed to just basically – give up and Penn State you know kind of decided to just sort of uh, let them concede the game without you know uh, ha- having a lot of um, tenacity in the second half but it just really looked like kind of the fight went out of the team there was not a lot of drive after halftime You know, we've been running the ball like crazy in the second half and uh, excuse me in the first half and then we came out in the second half and had a three and out on like three bad passes from Sean Clifford Um You know, I'm not sure what was going on, but um, it just it was kind of disappointing to me. And it's not like I need to run up, you know, 56 points on Maryland or whatever, like uh, Ohio State did on Indiana. But it just felt like you had an opportunity to continue developing the
0: team and it just didn't happen. Yeah, um, I kind of I attribute a lot of that to well, the Franklin Clifford combination. It's kind of just subject to being d- disappearing for a quarter or two in games, and there's never a consistency of when those quarters happen. It's like you know, this week was like, wow, we started hot and we stayed hot for two quarters, the, the opening half, like cool. And you're just like, all right, let's go into the second half and we'll take this momentum and we'll you, you know like put together another solid third quarter, um, and and get drew out Al- drew Aller some significant you know. Game it, this the, the the offensive game plan coming out of the half was just flat. Clifford was flat. Um, we kind of went away from the things that was work were working in the first half, like running with Singleton and Allen. Just uh, the, the the play calling was suspect, it, it, and I just felt that Clifford just didn't it didn't have his his A game um, mm-hmm. even in the first half. But he really didn't have his A game in the second half, even worse. So yeah, look, he I, was I know. Clifford
1: was. 12 for 23 on the day. Yeah. He only had one more completion than Talia. He was 52%, just you know, a few percentage points above Talia. Uh, he only threw for 139 yards. You know, he did have a have a touchdown throw um to Theo Johnson. But um, yeah, he, he just did not look good. A lot of those passes were just errant passes. Were I'm um, it's really, you know one of those days he could have thrown a couple of interceptions and and we're fortunate that that didn't happen so that's maybe the one of the best things you can say now it, you know we should probably mention that clifford uh you know hit a couple of records on the day um he yeah. he became the all-time passing yard leader which was expected he was only 16 yards away from that um, at the indiana game And then he also simultaneously, um, not simultaneously, but on the same uh, day, became Penn State's first ten thousand yard passer, which I guess happens when you stick around for ten years. But you know, (laughs) overall, it was a very underwhelming performance
0: on the day. Um, It was the kind of bad performance that that you were winning twenty seven to nothing at the end of the first half, and and his performance was so bad, even with that you know massive lead. That you would have just expected Drew Aller to come out in the second half to be the the starting quarterback in the second half, yeah. just to like infuse some energy and like give the the offense a reason to like kind of you know remain engaged in this game. And it was the exact opposite. Clifford came out, th- you know, came out and had a three and out. And the next the next drive, yeah, we we got a field goal, but we were we had first and goal and couldn't muster a, a, a touchdown. Um, and Clifford just you know was kind of. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a clean performance by Clifford at all. And you really just were like, why aren't we giving Drew Aller the, any reps here? While well, you saw the first string offense out there. Yeah, that's my because other. They, big they didn't bring Aller in. They didn't bring Aller in until you know the second and third stringers were playing. And Aller couldn't couldn't muster much going on with, um, with anything with that offense because just it's just the game was over and it wasn't meaningful at that point in time. Yeah, not only did he have no meaningful snaps, he had no real effective snaps, and some
1: of that I think was the weather. It came, you know, the rain came pouring down. You know, it seemed like at the exact time that um, Drew Aller went in. So much more difficult, you know, passing day um, there. But I, I agree with you. Like, just he didn't have the pieces around him. For example, Tank Smith was his running back at that time. It, yeah, you know, exactly. And um, nothing against Tank Smith, a walk on who's been faithful to the team. It's always fun watching him to get the ball, and he he fights hard. But uh, you know, it's he didn't have Drew Aller did not have a weapon at running back. You know, the his his primary target was Liam Clifford, you know, so, right. um, So, so it just, he just didn't have a lot to work with. Um, He finished, um, I think three for six on the day for, I can't remember how many yards it wasn't impressive.
0: So, so all this to say, Andy is, I think it's becoming clear that like, you know, Clifford is the clear cut starter and they're just going to play him as much as they darn well please. I mean, and honestly, we had that
1: would-you-rather last week from Rudy Glocker. It's like, would you rather get the wins with Clifford playing every meaningful snap or, you know, drop one with Drew Aller getting, you know, the meaningful snaps. And I guess, you know, at this point, I'd say get the wins, but it's just not satisfying when you watch... You know, especially against a team like Maryland, especially against an opportunity like we had. And, you know, he's just it's a subpar performance by your sixth year senior. And um, you would just like to have a little more satisfaction coming out of that win, at least from the quarterback position. Obviously, the running back position, you got it in spades, the defense, you got it in spades. So um and, and the. Kicking game, you got it in spades. So I guess you know three out of four ain't bad, and uh, it's just disappointing that you can't get a little more out of your uh, captain, you know, four year starter, sixth year senior.
0: So we'll we'll have well he'll have a he'll have an opportunity. Clifford will have an opportunity in the Michigan State game, which is our last you know home game of the season, the last game of the season, and Clifford will have an opportunity to have a better game, you know, for his last game as a Penn State player in Beaver Stadium, and you'd like to think that maybe he'll save his best performance for that game. <laughs> I sure hope
1: so. Let's let's look forward to that. In the meanwhile, we've got to look at the Rutgers game, but before that, um, let's go ahead and open the mailbag and see what we've got there. Mailbag time. All right, uh, our first mailbag question is from a first-time mailbag write-in. Um and this goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before about the offensive line. Here's the question, bro. Why doesn't our center get the credit he is due? Not sure you have ever mentioned him in your
0: podcasts from a Penn State mom.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Well, that Penn State mom is our mom. Hey, mom. Thanks for writing (laughs) in. Thanks for writing in, mom. She's an avid listener, um, and we appreciate the support, of course. Long-time listener, uh, first-time caller. (laughs) Yes. Um, So she brings up a really great point. Uh, I'll be honest, like we do not give, you know, the only time we talk about the tackles is if they're the offensive line is if they're bad uh, or or if, uh, you know, Fashanu is getting first round draft praise, you know, so um, the unsung hero of that um, of our offensive line is, by the way, the only one on the offensive line who has stayed in his position all season and hasn't missed a a game all season um and that's Juice Scruggs and Juice Scruggs was an ac- actually a pretty um highly touted recruit coming out of high school coming out of um uh Erie uh and he was the number 4 center in the country coming out of high school uh he actually during his freshman season uh his true freshman season he was the scout Team offensive player of the year. And, um, he, you know, it, during his redshirt freshman season, the following season, he would have, uh, which would have been 2019, would have been his you know, first season where he would get meaningful snaps. Um, He actually got into a horrific car accident and he missed the entire 2019 season while he had to like battle back. Apparently he got lost a lot of weight from the injuries he sustained and he had to rebuild his body. Essentially. I don't have any of the particulars on what actually was injured because Franklin keeps that all close to the uh, vest. And um, so we don't know exactly what, what happened in that car accident injury wise. All we know is he fought back, fought like heck um, and he was um, the team's Tim Shaw Thrive Award winner uh, co- going into his um, redshirt sophomore season. And, you know, he appeared in seven games that year, uh, got some work, didn't start at all until last season in his redshirt junior season. He started at, I believe, right guard while Michael... Um, Uh, Miranda was our starting center um, but he started all 13 games last year at guard and then this year made the first um, his first position change to center which is his natural position and Let me just give you a few um, accolades and stats that he has um, garnered um, this season. Mind you, going into the season, he was named to the Remington Remington Trophy watch list, which is given to the uh, best offensive lineman. Uh, It's either best offensive lineman or best um, offensive center. I forget which off the top of my head. But um, he's uh, through nine games, so not including this past weekend, through nine games, um, he, uh, you know has now made 23 career starts but uh, up through these first nine games on 341 pass blocking snaps um, he has allowed just one sack um and he's only been penalized twice on 620 offensive snaps this season um on the year prior to this past weekend he has allowed just 11 total pressures on 341 pass blocking snaps and he's allowed just one pressure or less in six games this season and on in the Auburn game by the way he was named the coaching staff's Offensive player of the game, where where he uh, on twenty five pass blocking snaps, he did not allow a single pressure. So he's the guy um, that holds that is the glue to the offensive line. He's the one calling out protections. He's the one you know who has to be you know. And by the way, Trout one came out and said you know prior to this season he was a guy that was very quiet, and then this year he's a guy who's out there on the offensive line screaming. So he is you know, and he's a team captain on top of that. So without Juice Scruggs playing the way he's been playing, you know, not just this season, but coming off of, you know, a lot of adversity and during his college uh, time at Penn State. He is rounding into form as being a very, very good, um, you know, center for us. And I, I'm not clear on this. Um, I, he is a redshirt senior right now, so I think he has the ability to play one more season with us. So it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, Our offensive line room looks after this season with guys leaving or coming back uh, with Juice Scruggs, namely, um, it's, you know, being a guy who's been playing like he is at the center position. it's a very key and important position, and he's been playing it lights out.
1: Yeah, and in addition to just having an awesome name, Juice Scruggs, <laughs> right. I mean, that's a yeah. great offensive line name. Um, yeah, he's been really, really key for us this year. Um, and it's funny because, you know, as you and I were talking about this, um, obviously you've done a little bit of research um, thanks to that question like you and i haven't heard a lot or read a lot about juice scruggs he really is not like you know we read a lot of the beat writers um and there's just not a lot that's been coming out like, about him in particular and um so you know credit to my mom for for asking that question well what what i yeah. wanted to say and typically andy what I just wanted to oh, say is, like, I was just curious, like, what caused you, you know, have we as we're learning about this and like, what a great season he's been having, you know, you know, where did she, you know, have the idea to ask about it, and you know, maybe she had read it somewhere or you know watched uh, you know Big Ten network coverage, and he she just said this um, that that she was watching the game again. And just thought about all the accuracy required of the center for every play to get off, and then has to block well, um, the timing of the snap, and then uh, protect the quarterback. So just kind of her own noticing just the the hard work that he's been doing in there that caused her to ask the question. So appreciate appreciate the question and uh, something I'll be uh, taking an eye, at, you know, keeping an eye out for uh, in the next couple of games, just uh, watching Juice Scruggs at work. And yeah, thanks for the question, Mom. Thanks, Mom. thank you and thank you for being you (laughs) yeah um thanks for being our mom yeah um and thanks for listening um one of our three regular listeners all
0: right Here's our Rudy Rudy Glocker listened to our, our podcast last week and he's like we 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 mentioned how there's like only three listeners which is not true by the way um, but he's like he texted me as as he was listening to me. he's like he's like what am I he's like am I my one of, am I one of the three it's like I'm listening well look if you don't <laughs> want to be thought of a select
1: few people who are listening to our podcast and yes it is more than three keep but, writing in but uh, share the podcast with your friends let others know review it review it. Read it. it. Um, You know, uh, Tom and I, uh, we have a, a pretty significant advertising budget. Of zero dollars, <laughs> of zero dollars. <laughs> so um, it's all word of mouth at this point. Love if you if you love what you're you're hearing, definitely share it. But uh, yeah, thanks thanks for uh, um, for mailing in. Um, we don't have uh, Rudy Glocker today, but we do have another regular contributor. Um, this is from Yole Betney, um, and uh, it's he's got a Would You Rather for us, um, and this is what he says. It's a little more of a lighter question. He says it wasn't pretty, uh, but Pretty nice to pitch a shutout this week. Uh, I don't have a lot to think about, um, as I've already been uh, hashed out quite a bit, a lot of that the he's he's wanted to, uh, which leads me to a, uh, a funnier Would You Rather this week. He says, the broadcast left a little to be desired, with lack of context for things like Franklin doing push-ups, <laughs> which got me to thinking, would you rather have to listen to a game announced by Brock Huard and Gary Danielson, or have to listen to a game announced by Booger McFarland and Joe Buck.
0: Whoa. <laughs> First of all, Brock Heward is nearly uh, like unlistenable <laughs> uh, to me. Uh, and I don't know why I, I don't know what it is about him, to be honest with you. He's, I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, he, he has his own podcast that he, he does. And, um, He's a, you know former, I think what? Was he a Washington quarterback? I forget yeah, where he went I think to so. Um, Gary Danielson is such an Alabama homer that he's nearly unlistenable. I actually like Joe Buck. Yeah, I was um, going to say I, I think and by the way, I put Booger and Brock and Gary all in this pool of like, never do I want to hear them calling one of my games. <laughs> um, but Joe, Joe is fine enough for me. Like I, I, I've got no real gripes with Joe Buck at all. So I'm going to choose Joe Buck. And Booger McFarland. Um, I think Booger McFarland is actually hilarious to listen to. From a like, like he's so bad, it's almost hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So like maybe that that it'll be an entertaining. Um, <laughs> I agree. Pot, or, uh, That's me, exactly broadcast. Because Joe, yeah. Joe Buck so Brock is, a- is not funny to me. D- Gary Danielson is not funny to me. Booker. Booger can be like at least you can make fun of it and it's hilarious, you know. No, totally. So I'm taking Joe Buck and Booker McFarlane for sure. And by the way, if you if there was a a lot to be you know de, you know desired, <laughs> um, le- there was I can't what am I trying to say here? If there was a lot left to be desired about the broadcast this b- past week, we're gonna be on mm-hmm. a like D Squad BTN crew for this Rutgers game. So. I hold no hope Watch for out. for this upcoming broadcast either. So you know, pull up the 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 radio if you can and listen to the Penn State uh, you know sports network for, um you know if you can sync up the 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 listening of uh, and watching uh, that would be the way to do it in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um it, you know and, and it's kind of kind of a a preview of things to come with, um, ESPN being cut out of the broadcast. Oh, yeah. of Big Ten yeah, games yeah, yeah. going forward. Um, I don't think the Fox crew, which also includes the BTN crew, I don't think they're they're really that great. Um, you know, part of it, like this this week's crew, I in terms of listening to them, which is my problem with Brock yeah. Heward, I can't yeah. take listening, and that's obviously there's a little bit of like, you know, subject subjectivity there. It's like, you know, in terms of like having competence to call the game. Brock Huard's not the worst. I don't love his insights, but, but, you know, he at least seems to understand the game. I just can't stand listening to him. But the guys this week mm-hmm. who are calling the game, they seemed like they didn't even know anything meaningful about the games. They didn't, about the teams they didn't seem to even like be paying attention to like the flow of the game they were sort of just like yeah. on autopilot so like for example when cliff excuse me franklin was doing those push-ups and he had gotten this personal foul like they didn't even bother to like see if we could call up an actual video of what that foul was you know and so all you get is this like out of context, like Franklin's doing pushups cause he got a personal foul 10 minutes ago. Like it was just very, very frustrating. Um, you know, especially with how good the game was for Penn state to have kind of a subpar broadcast. And it wasn't even a big 10 broadcast. It was a, a Fox flagship. Um, you know, so I hope they increase the, uh, you know, professionalism of their broadcasters going forward of their announcing teams. Cause it's, it's going to be hard the next couple of years. Um, you know, ESPN also has their bad like B, C, and D teams, but to, to me, their top two um broadcasting crew in terms of um you know Chris and um Kirk, and then um you know Todd Blackledge and um gosh, I can't remember his name who 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 goes with Todd
0: Sean McDonough.
1: Yeah, like like those that both of those crews to me are are pretty solid. You know, Sean McDonough, I don't necessarily love listening to him, but like in terms of being Good guides to the game and you know, balanced and intelligent, and understanding the football game and knowing who the teams are. No complaints there. And for Fox and um, CBS, it's like it's just really hard to find decent announcing.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be weird when ESPN is no longer in the mix for sure. I, I am kind of worried about. How the broadcasts will work, like beyond the 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 best game of the week, whoever wh- whatever these broadcast crews are, um beyond the game of the week in the Big Ten, like wh- what are we gonna what are we gonna get? Who are we gonna get on CBS? Who are we gonna get on Fox? Who are we gonna get on BTN? Who are we gonna get on NBC? When like I don't I don't know how how it all shakes out. Is NBC just one primetime game like yeah, or are there multiple the games is. happening on NBC at the same time? Yeah. Uh, so A- and- ABC, we'll, I think, we'll, does we'll better for out.
1: announcers generally. I mean, they don't have a huge, deep crew. And so, like, what's going to happen when they have Notre Dame plus, you know, a Big Ten night game and, you know, we're going to get a B and C crew, you know. Um, you know, the Monday Night Football crew, I think, is generally pretty good compared to all the other crews that are out there. So, um, I don't know. It's just it's part of the 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 pleasure of watching the game is having a, a you know, good set of announcers that can actually you know take you through the game and help you see things that you don't see normally and um so that that's a knock i think on Fox right now and the Big 10 network so uh, we'll see maybe maybe the infusion of cash will help help with that factor and uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of like changes of announcers you know going from um you know one uh crew to another like Joe Buck is Monday Night Football now right
0: yeah the, joe buck and um uh Troy Aikman left Oh, they were traded. Yeah, they left Fox, <laughs> traded, right? Uh, yeah, they left Fox. Um, and uh, just a fun—I think I mentioned it earlier in the season. I can't remember if I did here or not. But um, the part of that swapping from Fox to ESPN was the Penn State Purdue game went from ESPN to Fox. In that swap of <laughs> uh, broadcasters. Pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, but <laughs> I'm not sure why, but you know, Mike
1: Tarico, he used to be with ESPN and and you know now he's with NBC. So you know, it's possible in the next few years we're gonna see some swapping of of announcer crews, and, and maybe that'll bode well eventually. But hey, thanks for the question, Yole Betene. Um and yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, one final PS. Uh my daughters call him Booger McFartland. Booger McFartland. (laughs) So the fartland of America, I uh, I guess, uh, I guess Joel's (laughs) not the only one in his house who doesn't like Booger. Um, All right. Last question in the mailbag. Um, This is from also a first-time writer, uh, Sue Rapine. Sue, thanks for writing in. Really appreciate your engagement. Um, Here's what she says. Uh, Hopefully we're
0: pronouncing your last name correctly.
1: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, We'll get it right next time. Um, Anyway, she says, love your podcast. I'm always eager for the next episode. Thanks for that comment. Um, Do you think that if Penn state were to win their last three games. And she says, I probably should be knocking on wood there. Uh, What are the chances that Penn state might meet Alabama in a bowl game? Because in her opinion, we need a signature win. She signs off with, we are, and I say Penn state.
0: Uh, What do you think, bro? Well, the chances that we meet Alabama in a bowl game, I don't think are great right now. Um, i I think that the game that we would be playing uh in the New year six would not involve uh an SEC team uh, either way. I don't like the, if we don't make the Rose Bowl, I don't know what our chances are like of making a New year six bowl. I think that um, some other things need to fall into place in order for us to be in line for uh, an alternative New Year's Six Bowl. And some other teams kind of stand in the way right now of that. Um, so as it stands, some projections have uh, Bama and North Carolina playing in the uh, Orange Bowl. Um, so, I, you know, I <sighs> there is a chance that a Big Ten team can get in there. But, but UNC, I think, will be a one-loss team and has... A, the ACC has a, a first dibs, I think, within um, the Orange Bowl like pecking order of, of who would who would play there. So I think, as it stands right now, UNC might end up block be blocking us, um, and Notre Dame is another possibility. But I I think that the ACC and the Big Ten have pecking order rights over Notre Dame. There, it's really just all about who the CFP ranks and where they rank them. Um, so, but, so I think the chances aren't great, but the chances are decent as of right now that, that we could still see a Rose Bowl, um, shot and that would be against, um, you know, the, the, the PAC 12 winner, um, in either Oregon or USC. So that would be the, the that would be an opportunity for a statement win, um, certainly playing Alabama would be a a possibility for a signature win Um, I just it's hard to see that right now there's still a lot of still a lot that has to unfold when it comes to these last two weeks and in in conference championship games before we can really start crystallizing how we view Penn State's um, bowl hopes and I think one that keeps coming up for Penn State is as far as like being the more likely bowl game that we're seeing um, I think is has been the Citrus Bowl which is not um, a, a New Year's Six Bowl. I believe the Citrus Bowl is like one of the top ranked non-New Year's Six bowls, and we're seeing um, we're seeing Penn State show up as possibly playing. You know, um, some of the some of the teams that are coming out for the Citrus Bowl are like an Ole Miss, um, and depending on how the rest of the SEC shakes out, it could be another highly ranked SEC team, and there may be even like you know if LSU loses and looks bad in some of these last couple. Games, maybe LSU falls to the Citrus Bowl. Who knows? Um, but, you know, playing the top ranked um, Pac 12 team or playing a, a highly ranked, uh, L- a, you know, SEC team, those are opportunities for, you know, having a signature win against top level competition going into the offseason and and you can certainly build on that. And that's something we really would love to see from a Franklin team that is going ten and two and hopefully going in the right direction going into the offseason. But I think we'll also be seeing Sean Clifford playing in that game and not the future of our team playing. So um it's just, uh, yeah, I think there's opportunity for a signature win. And a lot of younger guys are still going to get to play in that game, too. So it bodes well for the future, I, I think, either way. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to Sue's point, we... We, we got to win these last two games, by the way, before we yeah, do that. Yeah, well, first of all, <laughs> knocking saying. on wood.
1: Yeah, um, there's the you knock know, on that on <laughs> we, we get these next two wins under our belt. Um, to Sue's point, we we definitely need a signature win this year. We that's that's something that's um been elusive for us. And um, you know, part of that's the, the two teams we lost to were top five teams and, and if we win out, um the likelihood is that we'll be facing a team uh of of, of You know, a decent uh, record and, you know, hopefully some level of national recognition. Um, It's not necessarily the case. I mean, certainly there have been some really poor bowl matchups in recent years. And I I certainly hope Penn State doesn't get stuck with like the third or fourth team in the ACC or something like that. You know,
0: you want a a ranked team in the top 15. I I think so.
1: I think you're looking for ideally a top 10 would be great. A two loss team in, you know, the SEC or the Pac 12. Um, and, um, that, that would be great. Um, you know, if you get an ACC team, there's not a lot of quality teams there. And at that point you're hoping for, Oh, maybe you get a kind of a cool, um, rivalry matchup like Pitt or something like that. But, um, the other thing is just, you know, there's still a lot of football left to play. Uh, you've got two regular season games for each of the teams around the country. And then you've also got, you know, the conference championship games and, um, Depending on how all of that shakes out, it's going to really change a lot who ends up being in the final four of the college football playoff. Um, Penn State's prospects for a good bowl go up significantly if we get two Big Ten teams in that final game. Um, or I should say in the college football playoff. If not, you have either Ohio State or Michigan as a one-loss team representing the Big Ten and the next tier down. And then Penn State gets... You know, bumped, and because the thing is, the way all of these bowls work now is it's like preferential picking based on where you fall in your conference order and what affiliation the different bowls have. So, specifically to Sue's point, I think it probably is likely a long shot that we end up playing at Alabama, but good chance that we play a real quality team, and ideally maybe the Pac-12
0: winner, um, whoever that ends up being, that would be a lot of fun. So, also, what is going to matter, um, in the you know, we we blew out Indiana, we blew out Maryland with a dominant defensive per- performance and shutout. Um, if we continue to steamroll our opponents these last two weeks, it's only gonna, if, if, the, if the committee looks at like, oh man, since the Ohio State tough loss, you know, against the, and they, are two losses are against the top three or four teams. But then they've basically steamrolled their opponents ever since. Like that bodes well for the committee in ranking us into the top ten and possibly get like if we slide in ahead of a another, you know one or two lost team in the, in the rankings that could actually play a significant role for, um, you know, what bowl we end up getting, you know, so, um, it, it could us blowing out, um, Rutgers and Michigan state could be the difference in, you know, being a second big 10 team in the new year six conversation for, for getting a, um, a new year six bowl or, if, like, you know, Clifford continues to flounder a little bit and these aren't, like, decisive victories in the last two weeks, we could see ourselves kind of more solidified in the out- outside the New York Six conversation, particularly if no two Big Ten teams get in the playoff. Yeah, there is a so narrative. I think, I think optics will... Optics do matter yeah. in how these
1: wins shake out. Yeah, there's the a narrative
0: component, right?
1: Because like, what's the narrative yeah. around Tennessee, for example? What's the narrative around Oregon, you know? And, you know, so because it's sort of human selection uh, that yeah. that makes these rankings happen, it's, it's going to... It's going to be a factor, and so um, it'll be interesting to see again.
0: And like I said, it's good that we blew out Maryland, a a competitive Maryland that we basically held down with one arm, you know, for you know at least the first half for sure, um, as far as offense goes. Well, let's take let's take the turn
1: and um, talk about the Rutgers game upcoming because you just pointed out, you know, one of the things that Penn State. Has to play for, you know, is you know how are we perceived in the eyes of the of the national press? How are we perceived in the eyes of that committee in terms of what kind of uh, post game or excuse me uh, postseason play we get? Um, so so let's talk about that game against Rutgers. The fighting Greg Schiano's. Um, it's his second <laughs> season of his second coming. Um, this game will be played at three thirty on the Big Ten Network, as you already said, bro. And um, Rutgers. You know, they're not a great team this year. They're not having a tremendously good season. They're still trying to kind of build up from the bottom. All right. They are... Four and six on the season. So, losing record, as you said, um, you know, when we were talking through it uh, earlier, that, um, you know, Rutgers kind of had a shot at a um, winning record or at least a 50 50 record, a six win season. um, And they lost to Michigan State. Uh, You know, they got to win these next two games if they're going to be bowl eligible. Um, In the conference, they're one and six, which is tied for Last place with Indiana and Northwestern. Um, Of those three bottom feeders, they have the most overall wins at four, but um, six losses in the conference um, leaves them at the bottom of the pack.
0: They're more competitive than Indiana, in my opinion, as far as, you know, they, they, they held strong. They were beating Michigan at the end of the first half. So they're not like a total, total pushover. Uh, they can, they can go toe to toe for stretches. It's just a matter of, do they have the depth to go a full game against top tier competition? Hasn't, hasn't shown that's shown it to be true so far. But to me, you know, we should handle Rutgers like pretty darn easily, but. Are we going to be getting up for this game? That's the real question. Yeah. To me, it's really more about what we allow Rutgers to do rather than than what Rutgers does exactly. to us. I mean, they're
1: they're a talent deficient team that plays hard. I think yeah. is a good way to characterize it. Um, you, they they are better than Indiana on paper, um, you know, and on the stat sheet and in the record books. Indiana um, is their lone conference win. They beat them twenty four to seventeen a couple weeks ago. Um, so here's a couple season highlights for, um, Rutgers, you know, they blew a chance last week, uh, to win a close one against Michigan state. Um, they could have beat a struggling Nebraska who they lost, uh, to 14 to 13. Um, and as you mentioned, they led Michigan, um, at the half, but then ended up getting blown out 52 to 17, but they have a lot of low lights. Okay. Um, even though they've shown some fight, uh, against the best teams in the conference they've uh they've just been wiped off the map they lost to Ohio State 49 to 10 lost to Iowa 27 to 10 lost to Minnesota 31 to nothing um and um, that's in addition to that uh, Michigan result uh 52 to 17. so you know this is a team that's really struggling to climb out the bottom of the conference um they're a team that you know is very nearly um, at the edge of having any kind of Positive result for the season uh, being taken away from them. If they lose against Penn State, they're they're at best they can get five wins on the season. Um, and I don't even know if they let five win teams play bowl games anymore. Um, so uh, here's the other thing I wanted to mention. And you know, again, I don't just don't know how much how much this makes a difference to to what we're going to see after that Nebraska game where they lost 14 to 13, they fired their offensive coordinator. Shiano let him go. Um, They brought in um, an interim OC. I guess it was, I think it was someone who was still on their staff and um, had a bye week. And that next week was the game that they uh, beat Indiana. And then they followed up that performance by getting shut out in Minnesota. So, you know, like, Whatever little fight and momentum they had um, it just kind of is sort of lost. Um, I really don't know what we're gonna see from Rutgers. Like you said, I think the way you've characterized it is right. It's not about what they're gonna do. It's about what kind of effort we're gonna put out and what we're gonna let them do. And it'll be really interesting to see if our defense can for the third week in a row um, you know kind of shut down a struggling team and just suffocate them. With a chaos defense and and give our offense a chance to get the run game going and put the game to bed
0: early. So this is the second time this season Rutgers is on a three game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> so that that sucks. You know they they got that win over Indiana in between their two three game losing streaks, but they've they've got to play us now and and I think this game actually d- does matter to Penn State. like As far as like, so, you know, the Maryland game was chippy, right? The Maryland game was chippy. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that. We share a border with them. We share a border with Maryland. We share a lot of recruiting rivalry aspects with Maryland. Obviously, Chop Robinson we brought over. Um, But, I know, I know Rutgers isn't Maryland, by the way. Like, Maryland's bad. But like, you know, Rutgers is worse, uh, like, (laughs) pedigree-wise. You know? Um, And, but we do, you know, we share that. You know, we we recruit out of New Jersey. We we do. We, we like Rutgers is, you know, maybe they're they're not even quite our little brother. Maybe they're worse than our little I mean, brother. Saquon Barkley it's, it's,
1: was committed
0: to Rutgers before he switched absolutely. his commitment to Penn State, and he and he Shiano's, was from New Jersey, right? And Shiana's like, well, no, he's he, he went to high school in in Pennsylvania. By the he way, he grew up in New Jersey. Um, sure. So, um, at at any rate, (laughs) at any rate, I mean, Shiano's not a nobody. Shiano could definitely like change, like change how Rutgers is as a program in the big 10. I mean, if, if you recall, you know, they, they, they shocked the world, you know, what, 15 years ago, whenever that was, when they, um, what they finished like I think eleven and one or something like that. Yeah, that was and before a, they
1: joined the Big Ten, so we did
0: not play them correct, that year. Correct. Correct. They were. But, yes. So my point. Yeah, is he that got them like, playing well. It's not impossible that Chiano can get some traction moving. Like if if Rutgers beats us, maybe they get a couple of extra recruits um, that otherwise would have gone to Franklin and Penn State. And if that starts happening, and you start getting a little bit of, mom- giving a little bit of momentum to the Scarlet Knights, like that's not good for Penn State's recruiting um, footprint, and that's not good for you know, just it's a bad look, just losing to Rutgers. So this game absolutely matters. You want to keep Rutgers where they are on the in the pecking order of of what they can do to Penn State and what they can do in recruiting um, against Penn State. This this game absolutely does matter. And maybe it, you know it doesn't have the same kind of like chippiness in it against uh, the way it was against Maryland. Um, but I think if you don't take Rutgers seriously. You know there could be a problem. You know laying in the weeds over there in Piscataway for Penn State. So it's important to to win this game and win it big, as far as I'm concerned. And um and and you know if you don't beat Rutgers here, if you if you let them be a a trap game, if Penn State for some reason wants to look ahead to Michigan State, um and look ahead to ten wins and look ahead to a possible New Year's six, like you look you overlook. Rutgers and who knows, Shiano might have some stuff up his sleeve for Franklin if, if they're, you know, taking the weekend off.
1: Yeah. So, what do you think is the motivation for Penn State to play this game with focus, with drive, with a, a, a desire to play hard and dominate? What, what's the motivation that gets these guys off the bus to play hard against a struggling Rutgers team?
0: um well you certainly um are you know, they are playing for a 10-1 season they're playing for the opportunity of a 10-1 season um, they are playing against dudes that were you know maybe across the the field in high school from some of the guys we got on our team too so um, there's the like personal you know angle of like we want to beat these guys because you know they're they we <laughs> we remember them from high school and and uh, you know I, again I think that having it be a border a border rivalry so to speak it it, it, it holds some water, but as far as the motivation that Franklin's going to use is... All right. You know, you, we played a a first half last week and the defense was smothering. Can we, can you continue to build on that defensive smothering? And can the offense decide to, Hey, play a full, a complete game? Like they, you can't rest on your loyals if you only played one half of offensive football. And for the defense is like, All right. Well, like show me again. Show me. Can you pitch another shutout? I mean, Rutgers was shut out this week or this year by Minnesota. So like, you, you know if you're the penn state defense he's like are you gonna let them score any points on you you know minnesota's defense shut them out can you can you do the same thing that another team that um you beat handily can can you perform better so it, it's all about to me um proving it more it's mm, solidifying yeah. the proof that you are a good team you know not just one not just for one half not just for one game but like keep doing it Keep and Franklin always preaches consistency. So this is an opportunity to, to to show consistent uh defensive domination, an opportunity to show consistent, you know, offensive line play. Um, and it's an opportunity for Clifford to fix what he sucked at last week. You know, he his 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 clock is ticking. He, you know, he he's sitting there as the um All time leader in all major statistical categories for Penn State at the quarterback position, and he played like crap. (laughs) Yeah. So where's it's an easy motivation job for for like Clifford? Hey, by the way, Clifford, you sucked. Play better. You're the you're the best. You're the statistically the greatest quarterback in Penn State history, and you didn't look like it one little bit last week.
1: Yeah. So I mean, prove it for you as as a phrase that stands out for me. I would say um, finish strong. (laughs) Finish strong, yeah. You know, um, sure. couple couple of angles there. Um, you know, in the game and in the season, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, so this is the last road game of the season. You think about the road slate yep. that Penn State has had this year. Started yeah. at Purdue, then we went to Auburn. You know, um, we had a had a collapse against Michigan. Um, and then you know, last uh, two weeks ago, we we went to Memorial Stadium in Indiana and and really put on a show. And so I think you know, this is your last road game. This is a way to finish strong um, and to to you know to bring the Penn State road show with you and uh, you know show them what football is made of. The other kind of angle to that is that you know, I really feel like against Maryland. You know, part of what you're seeing was a team that started strong, but like down the stretch, you know, they're banged up, they're nicked up, they're, you know, they didn't have the mental or physical toughness to finish the season against a team like Penn State. And, you know, here we are now, second to last game, and um, we're also a little nicked up and banged up. And how are we going to finish mentally and physically? Um, you know, it's a chance to build depth with our younger players. This was a big theme this past week, you know, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, our offensive line our, um, you know, our, on our defense, we had a a couple of key players sitting out and, um, so I want to say finish strong is the motivation and, um, you know, put a nice little cherry on the top of the season by getting a strong win, um, final road win of the season at, uh, the Scarlet Knights home in Piscataway.
0: Yeah. Um, I I really look in, at Clifford here quite a bit, is because you know, the run game is going in such a the right direction that he's really the the, the missing piece of a of putting together complete games. I mean it was saying he's the, he's the same that he's a um, weak
1: link in it. Indiana, he he did not have a great game against Indiana either. And so like really this is two weeks yeah. in a row against you know subpar um, opponents that he, you know, and it should be that, a a dominating run game should open up the passing game for a quarterback. Who's not a great quarterback, but if you don't have to win it at the quarterback position
0: and the run game is going, you should have an easy day. You, he, he has struggled to take command in games. Um, decisive throws, decisive reads, uh, you know decisive even decisive running when he's when he's tasked with running he's very indecisive about where he's going nothing looks like like he's in full command and so that's really like what i want to see from you know two subpar opponents coming up here um like you uh, you should go out there and believe you're in command and act like you're in command um and that's what i that's what we really want to see i mean that's what we'll really That's what really all there ever was about this team this year is like, you know, having a quarterback playing consistently, playing confidently, playing decisively, and, 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 you know, obviously not forking the ball over left and right.
1: In the middle of their offensive woes, Iowa put up 27 points against Rutgers, you know, like Spencer Petras. You know who's by far been you know kind of the worst of the big name quarterbacks in in the Big Ten. You know he led their team to 27 points on on that day. I, I really don't think there's any excuse for Penn State's offense to um, you know to get anything less than you know 40 or so points. And Sean Clifford really ought to have a chance to have a good day. Um, I just looked up the weather; it's going to be chilly. All right, it's going to be 38 degrees out, but it's going to be clear, and um, there should be only a light breeze. It's not going to be like anything like hurricane strength kind of stuff. So, I really think Sean Clifford should have an opportunity to throw the ball, and the receiver should have a good day to catch the ball.
0: How much do you think it's weighing? Do you do you think it's weighing on Clifford that? Everybody wants him out. <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, really. I mean, he he, he had to address those questions yeah. this past week um, after the game, and he's just like, he's like, honestly, he's like, i just really appreciative that I'm here and have these opportunities. I mean, we're talking about the all-time leading statistical, you know, all-time uh, leader in all the major statistics in Penn State history, and we are over it. Like we like on a day that he should be celebrated. He, he, any of the days that he was, you know, broke significant records, it was never celebrated by the, by the fan base or in the media. As far as like, like, wow! Look, he'll like, get
1: celebrated on Senior Day when he leads Penn State to a ten-win season. and It'll be a nice story arc from him yeah but but do you think
0: it's affecting his play do you think it's affecting his psyche do you think it's who knows seriously i'm asking the i'm asking you the question i I
1: think it's hard to say you know and Clifford's always been a guy that says the right thing you know right so because he's saying the right thing you don't have like franklin you don't have a really good sense of what's going on under the surface look this guy's 24 years old all right. He's probably going to come out of Penn State with a PhD. You know, he's been here so long. Uh, you know, he has been given an inconsistency. He has been given every opportunity. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of I, I I think he's probably undercounted and hit the other intangibles in terms of his leadership are, are probably not something that we can accurately assess because it's. All we see is what shows up on the TV screen, which is, you know, the happy feet, the incomplete passes, the errant throws and the interceptions, which which really take away from some of the other good things that he's done. We don't have insight into the quality of his leadership, the quality of his um, preparation and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, like 10 years from now, you see Sean Clifford's name at the top of the book and you'll see, you know, you'll say, hey. You know, he did some good things for us. He was consistent for us. He took us through the COVID years. But, you know, like we said a couple of weeks ago, we're not going to have that warm feeling about Clifford like we did about Trace McSorley, for example, whose records he's just broken. Or even, you know, someone like um, Kerry Collins, you know, who only really had one good season for us, but it was a heck of a season, you know. And Clifford just doesn't have anything on his... On his resume to kind of show us that he's been more than, you know, a, a passable quarterback with difficult
0: passing games. <laughs> he has, he's good. listen, I, it, here's my opinion he's going to have an opportunity to have two really strong games to close out his final year right here, I as think far what as the we're regular season for goes. Some, Hold on, no, 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 I, I just got to say this.
1: We I think we're looking for some fun. We're looking for to have some fun watching Con- Sean Clifford lead this team on the passing game. We just haven't seen any day where it's like, oh yeah, Clifford's just, he's just really hitting his marks and it's fun watching it. Like we're having fun watching Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. We're just not having a lot of fun watching Clifford. And I think if... You know, and it's not just the stats, but if we have some fun watching Clifford these next three games, it could change. It could change the narrative. But right now, for me, it's kind of like, eh.
0: Can I go? Yes. Can I get back to what I was saying? I said it better. No. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so like you said, Spencer Petrus had a solid day against this Rutgers team, and that's a bad quarterback. Clifford could have himself a great day this this next weekend, um, and then he plays a a an abysmal Michigan State secondary and and passing defense. So he could possibly have a, you know on senior day his last game of his career in Beaver Stadium, um, last game of his career in regular season. He could close out these next two games with solid quarterback performances, and hopefully while we're having fun watching him and maybe that bleeds into you know us being a top 10 team that has a a solid you know big or you know uh bowl game opponent where hopefully Clifford has the ability to lead his team you know the you know on a significant win streak after losing Ohio state potentially break into like the, the top 10 top 8 maybe top 7 depending on who we end up playing um to close out his career and and send us you know into the offseason so as far as the motivation there is absolutely a lot for Clifford to be playing for and playing um his best football for and, and I would I just want to see it. I would love to see him you know leaving on a high note. Leave like leaving on a high note. I, I don't want to remember Clifford as being just such a bad quarterback and somehow having all the all the stats to 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 contradict that he's not a great quarterback. Um so yeah, I mean I, I just I think the opportunities are prove all us here. wrong. Prove us wrong, Clifford. P- please you know, please. Um,
1: have some fun. I mean, look, he could conceivably throw for a 1000 yards over these next 3 games and and like not just sort of sneak across the line but actually, you know, just blow past the passing records
0: um i don't even care if he throws for 300 yards a game i just want him to to, to complete like you know 16 of 19 passes yeah, for 225 yards and, have and two fun, touchdowns like that would be fine run the offense <laughs> it could happen and yeah. i would
1: love if it happens um by the way we said the same thing about michigan state last year terrible pass defense and sean clifford and he lost didn't, and the he game throw. for us
0: yeah yes so, i know i'm aware uh, you
1: know we'll see we'll see uh change the narrative man Let, that that'd be awesome um it, you know let's get to predictions you know keys to the
0: game what do you think what are you going to see what do you want to see what's the score going to be man i, I, I like a, i want a like i want a bold prediction of a a back to back shutout yeah would let's be do it like that Let's go into there. You know, Penn State in the past has gone into Rutgers, and we have had, you know, by by the end of the first half or the end of the game, we had, uh, Penn State faithful controlled that crowd, yep. and they it. were all that was left. And I'd love to see a repeat of that. Um, th- there's we're favored by uh, uh, almost three touchdowns in this game, I think. Um, and I, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call. This to be a more complete game than than this past week, um, I think we end up winning this game um, forty five to nothing. Wow! I'm just gonna call it. I'm just love gonna call it because because I, I when else am I ever gonna have the ability to call a forty five to nothing? That's amazing. <laughs> At least this season, um, I think the that Clifford will will come back around to 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 showing some good decision making, some good passes. I think our our receivers will get some separation. That, by the way, our receivers no no receive, no Penn State wide receiver had more than one reception this past week. I think that changes. Head scratching. Um, I think scratching. Yeah. Our tight ends got six catches between, um, you know, Theo and Brenton Strange, so um, they each had three, I, and I like that. I like I like seeing my tight ends getting getting work. That's great. They're blockers and catchers, and that's awesome for a Penn State team. Um, I I do think that we'll have a, a, another hundred yard rusher at the running back position. Not sure who it's gonna be because, while Singleton definitely got the start this last week. Katron um had five more carries than than um Singleton did. So so who knows where the 100 yards is going to come from? I don't even care who it comes from. Um would love to see Katron um you know get another 100-yard game under his belt, but I'd be happy to see both of them get 100 yards. Uh so I, yeah, but I'm saying 45 nothing. Clifford has a solid game. Running backs look great. Defense just swarms and smothers again. I hope that they I hope that they are now playing at the, the kind of level where they can just walk in and say, yeah, we're not going gi- to give you any points, you know?
1: Sounds good, man. Um, I'm, I'm going, I'm a little more, um, conservative on the offense. I, I you know, it, it is going to be a chilly day. I think, you know, it'll be a little cold. I think the offense will maybe play a little The run. He's
0: going to, going to dominate. Um, them.
1: I, I, I'm calling for a 38 to three victory. Um, I think we're going to be in the game for, uh, um, A shutout, but we'll we'll let a field goal slip through at some point. Um, but I'm looking for a strong game all the way around. Um, I'm not seeing the Sean Clifford show um this Saturday. I I I think Sean Clifford,
0: I'm not saying it's gonna be a Sean Clifford show. I'm just just saying it's gonna play another
1: pedestrian day for Clifford, but a great day for our running backs. And uh you know, we come away needing one more win um to to seal a 10-win season, which will feel great. Um before we close, man, I, I just thought um we'd do the same thing we did last week is just talk about some of the other games um because there are some interesting sure. things going on. And um you know like this past week in particular, you know, by the second half I was a lot, lot less engaged with that Penn State game. I was thinking what else is on? Um so this mm-hmm. week I, I just want to um Touch on a couple of the games. Uh, here's what's coming in the noon slot. We already talked about this one a little bit. Illinois
0: at Michigan on ABC. I think that Illinois might be able to pull off the upset. To be honest with you, that would be crazy. I think it's a I think it's a look ahead game for Michigan, and I think it's a um like an Illinois like they you know, they got embarrassed last week essentially. And um they got they need to pick up their, their the pieces. If they want to, you know, make the Big Ten championship game, this is a must win for Illinois. And I think that they felt that they should not have lost a couple of the games that they've lost. And namely to start the season against Indiana. That's a an eyesore at this <laughs> point blemish. for them. Um, um so so I and I think that Illinois' style of play matches up with Michigan's style of play in that, you know, like if Illinois were playing Ohio State this coming weekend, I think Ohio State would blow Illinois out. Um, but since it's Michigan, I just think it's, it's similar enough in styles that they could play a similar game and um, just, you know, haymaker, you know, kind of like um, uh, like the, uh, the trench warfare that's going to be happening in this game is going to be on display. And I think it's going to be like haymakers in the trenches.
1: It should be an interesting one. That's probably the game that I'll watch. Um, by the way, unfortunate to say it, our rooting interest is for Michigan to win.
0: Yeah, obviously, but I was th- just telling you what my what i think thinking at. Yeah. Um, uh, other rooting interest.
1: Um, we- we've got a game that I have no interest in watching: um, Northwestern at Purdue on Fox
0: Sports One, also at noon. Wait, we- wait, 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 wait. Okay. Wait, wait. I just thought of something here. All right, going back to Illinois, Michigan. If Michigan loses. To unranked Illinois, and then loses to Ohio State. Does that mean we be in line for the Rose Bowl? Mm, now that's interesting. I mean, they could drop no because they, they, dr- uh, the they still hold the tiebreaker against us. But not. But if we have an they still hold the tiebreaker in terms of like the. But the CFP ranking is where it, that comes into play. It has nothing to do with. Oh, interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: I think okay. that's the Rose Bowl's decision. All right, a little
1: wild card here. But I still think Michigan's going to win the game. So I, I think we want, like, the game with Ohio State. But <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I mean, how joyful would it be to have a late-season Michigan collapse? That would be so amazing. That would
0: be great. That would be great. <laughs> well, cause, Honestly, I'm, I'm all for it. Because
1: Harbaugh just had the, like, it's been a fun ride quote. <laughs> you know, getting their, it's their first 10-win season in, like, over a decade maybe two so um oh that's an interesting thought man um come on okay so (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well in any case um (laughs) on the other side of the coin in the west um purdue's playing northwestern um we want purdue to win that one um i'm not going to be watching it uh fox's big noon kick tcu at baylor uh like we were talking about earlier i think we want tcu to lose this one uh i'm not sure if that's going to happen baylor hasn't been great this year.
0: Actually, I'm yeah, I'm game. I'm game to see TCU lose and then also losing the in the Big Twelve championship game to whoever's the number two Big Twelve team. So I I want to see TCU go down last game in the new sure. slot
1: uh, slot. <laughs> this is a bit of a joke, but <laughs> UMass at Why'd Texas you put this in A&M.
0: <laughs> now, now listen. The reason why you put this in here is because if if by the way you at UMass doormat doormat uh, in, in the, the, the FBS, whole college
1: football world. I mean, they haven't had more yeah, than a handful of wins in the last five years.
0: Texas AM is is like in a in a spiral. They are in they are three they have three wins. They are th- what they're three and what are they? Three and six now? Three and uh, seven? Yeah, three and three and six. Anyways, they have three wins. Yeah. The point is, this could be a this if they lost to UMass, I bet you they fire him that day. <laughs> and they don't We'll figure out how to pay it later. And by the way, they would probably like you know come to some sort of like understanding the way some of these they like they like um they probably would not have to pay all 86 they probably like negotiate a smaller amount of some sort um is my assumption anyways but if you can't lose that game to umass if you're jimbo and and survive you just can't i mean i would love it it's not gonna happen like that can't happen (laughs) can it app state wasn't balanced wasn't app state is went on to have a terrible year by the way they're not like they are not good this is not an app state team that went is like 10 you know like eight and one right now they're like a barely 500 team i think app state beat texas a m at texas a m and now and and a m is Spiraled out of control. They they have down players. They have injured players. They have suspended players. They have players um, like um, trying to recruit players to 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 go to the transfer portal to leave Texas A and M. They have recruits decommitting. Like it is it is a problem happening over there in, in College Station. Yeah. So uh, let me just say,
1: uh, Texas A and M is not going to lose to UMass. Their one win on the season is to Stony Brook. I'm calling Brook. it. I'm they calling it. They lost twenty nothing upset to Temple. Them. They're they're gonna they gonna beat, lost they're gonna 55 to 10 to
0: Toledo. They're going to beat <laughs> Texas A&M. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. All right. Next. All right. Um, in the three thirty slot, slot, um, Georgia at Kentucky. Uh, could Kentucky come back and play
0: spoiler? Um, well, it's at Kentucky. That helps. Yeah. This is a, this is a Kentucky. I think Kentucky has maybe lost two or three in a row. Yep. They've definitely lost two in a row. Um, but if Will Levis ever wanted to have a signature, like, game, win, whatever, now's the time. Number one Georgia coming to coming to town. And, you know, I don't think they can do it, but stranger things have happened. Because who's Georgia playing next week? Do we know? Louisville. Do we have any idea? I don't either. It's Louisville. Do they, do they play? a? a oh, it, Georgia plays Louisville? No, who does Georgia oh, my play bad. next Sorry. week? Um, do you know offhand? I'm, I'll pull it up right now. Uh, they play LSU. Yeah, because,
1: no, no. They play okay. Georgia
0: Tech then LSU. Oh yeah, that's their ri- end of season rivalry against the AC- their ACC uh, in state rival. So they it doesn't. This is this is Georgia's last uh, SEC game of their of their season. Last regular season, and I think they can lose it. They can lose it. Yeah, the regular season. They can lose this game and still make the the. the yeah, playoff. they're already or, locked or, in against me, LSU for the for the. But even if they, yeah. So. <sighs> I mean we definitely want Kentucky to win that game. The bottom line, I that's what I want to happen, we all want. but, but it'd, I don't be, know. it'd be
1: amazing if it did. I
0: don't think that I don't think that it um will really damage Georgia's ability to a win their conference and b get in the playoffs. I mean, what you, you know?
1: what you could do if if Georgia happens to lose this game is you
0: could have
1: Georgia as a one loss um could could end up Going into that SEC championship game against two-loss LSU, right, and then lose, and then you've got an SEC mm-hmm. champ with two losses,
0: the two losses, you know. And so then they're, and then chaos. Georgia with two losses yeah. sitting there. So yeah, um, so we're rooting for it. We're rooting for the chaos. In that
1: same window at 4 p.m., you've got Iowa at Minnesota. As you were saying earlier, um, Iowa is. In the mix for that Big Ten West champ, and and Minnesota can knock them off to give Baylor, no, excuse me, not Baylor, Purdue, the inside track to the Big Ten West, and which gives Penn State a win over the Big Ten West division. So we're, I think we're
0: rooting for Minnesota at that point. Um, what what if what if Illinois beats Michigan, um, and then they win their last game of the season? Go then they go to the college or excuse me, they go to the Big Ten championship game. Michigan. Um, Uh who like who would you want to win the the, the, The game? The the Big Ten the game. Yeah. Uh, uh, One last one last Michigan or undefeated Ohio State. I don't know. I'm serious. Like I don't know. I I, if Michigan beats um, Ohio State, if that's their
1: only loss, Ohio State still goes to the championship game.
0: Oh, I'm saying Michigan ends up beating Ohio State. Then they would have the tiebreaker over Ohio yeah, State.
1: Michigan would have two losses if they lose to Illinois. And Ohio State no. would still go in with no. one loss. No, 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 no. I said if they beat Ohio State, you dummy. <laughs> Follow the logic here. If you said, you said if Michigan loses to Illinois and then Michigan loses to Ohio State.
0: No, I said if they beat Ohio uh, State, you're not listening no, to me. So Michigan okay. beats Ohio State, and then it's a rematch of Illinois and Michigan and the, in the in the Big Ten championship game. And what if Illinois wins again, and a four loss <laughs> Illinois team wins the Big oh, that's Ten? That's Amazing. And neither Michigan or Ohio State, or Ohio State would probably still yeah, get still in get the, the, the playoff with with not with it being a one loss non college non conference champion. I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I it would you know that's just like uh you know what the Schadenfreude, you know, you just w- hoping for chaos and and
0: that's the chaos I but, want. That's the but, chaos what, I want. What, and by the way, way helps Penn scenario, State have the, best Penn State still get the Rose at Bowl. the end
1: of the season, I think, is that you you have two Big Ten entrants into the CFP and then Penn State is the next man up. So um I want chaos. All right, last two we, we're gonna we're gonna cut this thing off.
0: Um, in the evening, you've got USC at UCLA on Fox at 8 p.m. So that game matters because a USC is ranked ahead of us, and b UCLA and USC are both coming into the Big Ten uh, the next year or the year after, I forget now. Um, But UCLA can play spoiler uh, and that'll be a a significant game in multiple um, grand schemes of of Penn State, you know, rooting interests. And
1: also out West, uh, the late game, 10.30 p.m. on ESPN,
0: Utah at Oregon. If you stayed up for this last week's, Pac-12 after dark late game which was UCLA getting beat by Arizona you're gonna want to stay up for this game too Utah and Oregon is gonna be a big big showdown between uh, basically they'll it'll be whoever wins that game is gonna go represent the um, Pac-12 North in the the Pac-12 title game against probably the winner of the USC UCLA game I think anyways yeah well, um, that about does it for us. Um, of course, we've got a
1: um, Penn State game this weekend on the Big Ten Network at 3.30 against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. Um, it'll be in Piscataway and uh, hopefully uh, going to have a big day for Penn State and uh, start checking one more box on the way to a 10-1 season. Um I'll be watching, bro. I know you'll be watching, and we'll talk all about it next week. Uh, but until then, bro, it always starts with
0: I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. It always ends with love We are Penn State. Amazing. I'm so hungry right now Thanks for listening to the Blue and White (laughs) Brothers Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go And if you enjoyed the show please don't hesitate to give us a five star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise